Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. We got a double barrel podcast today. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast. I am Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. And we don't do this that often, but today we got two interviews on the podcast, two guests that bring a ton of insight on your Illini athletics. The first one, uh, we're going to chat some Illini football recruiting with a guy who's been in the Illini football recruiting department for almost a decade now. He's worked for four different Illini head coaches, if you include Bill Cubitt and his interim there year in there, uh, but he's really good at his job. That's why coaches continue to keep him. Pat Umbleton, he is now the executive director of personnel and recruiting for Illinois, and uh, he was a huge part in, in spearheading the current Illini 2022 class. It includes 22 signees, one JUCO, and 21 prep prospects. I talked to him about putting that all together, especially during a COVID year for half the year, and then all the official visits. I talked to him about in-state recruiting, which for part of his time when he's been at Illinois, it's it's been good. For part of his time, it has been not so positive. And of course, I talked to him about Brett Bielma and his impact on Illinois recruiting. And then we talk a little bit about the transfer portal as well and everything that is is coming up with that. So great insight as always from Pat Embleton. You want to hear that. We're going to play that first. Uh, but also later in the podcast, talk some hoops and get some great insight from Michael Tulip, our Illini Inquirer basketball analyst, former Illinois and Wright State basketball player. And Mike does a great job, of course, of breaking down Illinois hoops. Uh, but we basically just talk about the Arizona game. Haven't talked to Mike since the Arizona game, the close loss for the Illini to what is now a top 10 team in the country uh, after their win in Champaign. Obviously disappointing that Illinois loses that game. There were some positives to go over, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but we also talk about some of the negatives. Um, we talk about Alfonso Plummer, the good side of him, which is offensively great, defensively he brings up uh, some issues there and just defensively as a team and we also dive into Coleman Hawkins what he's got to do to kind of work through some of these growing pains Kofi Coburn kind of having his first uh, subpar offensive game relatively uh, for his all-american self uh, and we talk about what's next for this team with three games uh, before Big Ten play starts up again including bragging rights I get his thoughts as a player about going through the bragging rights game uh, but what to look forward to for this team in the coming weeks before the new year so sit back relax we got two great interviews coming up michael two up later on the pod but let's talk some illini football recruiting with the guy who lives it breathes it eats it every day pat embleton is coming up next on the illini inquirer podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right, here with Pat Hamilton, uh, Executive Director of Personnel and Recruiting for the University of Illinois. And Pat, you've done a lot of these signing days here at Illinois. I believe seven now. Is that right? This is this is number nine. Number nine. Yeah. Um, what is it like still for you to to have a signing day like this? Yeah, this is uh, obviously this is like everyone calls it your Super Bowl. It's your Super Bowl. I mean, this is a you know combination of effort from everybody within this program, athletic department. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It, it's a lot of fun to be a part of this, uh, to see a year's work go into it, and um, really just just success and, and kind of feel a sense of, like, relaxation afterwards, you know? Well, and it's been a year, right? I mean, you guys, the first half of the year, it's all virtual. It's a new staff. I mean, you started when Brett got here, didn't know if you'd have a job, and then you're leading the department. What was that first half of the year like trying to build something where you can't even – get off campus yeah it was um it it was how can we be different how can we um you know how can we show our building off how can we show our people off our personalities and you know with coach b being here it's just he constantly has ideas and ways to to attack um certain communication styles and everything and so um that first part of the year was was absorbing information right and kind of just putting what you think would work best for this place um, while also taking feedback from everybody. Um, and so it was, uh, you learned a lot, right? You learned a lot how the staff flowed and how the staff worked. And then um, kind of as we hit official visit season, that's when we all felt really comfortable of, of who's everybody's strengths is versus weaknesses and, and how to kind of incorporate that throughout throughout recruiting. Obviously you've worked for a lot of different coaches here at Illinois. Like what what did Brett bring to Illinois football recruiting? Uh, I'm sure that's a loaded <laughs> question, but what what uniquely did he bring? Yeah, so Coach B, um, honestly, just a little bit of stability, right? Like that's the first thing. Um, really has a has a vision, and I've said this from the first time that I got to know him. Has a vision, has a clear vision of of how he wants to build his program. Um, communicate effectively with everybody, right? From multiple daily meetings you know one-on-one with them to staff meetings like projects his vision and how we go about doing it um and is open to suggestions as well but um that is the main thing is just just the openness the honesty and and communication from from the leader down to us as to to how we go about attacking um kind of day-to-day grind right from practice to recruiting to you know position meetings, everything like that is just he's got his vision and, um, you know, he communicates that really effectively to us. It's hard not to notice how personally he involves himself in, in each recruitment. What does that mean when you get a head coach that is just like that involved? And, I mean, he's he's seemingly pushing for every kid. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he, he, is, he has, his, um, has his hand on everybody. Uh, he's involved in every single recruit, which – from our side of it, from the recruiting staff, like it is unbelievable because you know, you'll walk in the night, the, the next day, you know, after we go through somebody, um, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I talked to these six kids last night," and you're like, "Wow, you mean we didn't have to like set this up or plan it, right?" Like, um, and so it is, um, it's really, really great to work with um, alongside with somebody that that is that involved in recruiting and, and puts an importance um, piece on that recruiting side of it. Hard to talk about this class and not talk about in-state, Pat. We've talked about it in previous years, about how, what do we need to do to – Illinois need to do to kind of improve it. I mean, 10 in-state commits, win some Power 5 battles for these guys. And you guys really got out in front in a lot of these recruitments. How did, how did you do it so effectively? And um, obviously it was a huge priority for you guys. Yeah, it started from day one, right? Um, Coach, Coach B, first day got hired, obviously made calls to the state association, uh, talked to some presidents uh, of the state association, and really when we got the staff together, um, that was one of the first meetings um, in the first week that we had everybody there was we need to attack the state. We need to um, connect with these high school coaches because they're the ones that are going to help us push for these kids. And so um, from there, after we got through the first week, and then we sat down and kind of divided up recruiting areas. We focused on the first state and, and focused on Illinois for the first two days of kind of saying, um, hey, this personality matches well with this area. This person has recruited this area, um, you know. And so dividing the state up into ten different areas. Um, and then and then Coach going through, you know, kind of gave the guys a little bit of time. And then when we really dove into recruiting by the end of January with them, it was, 
okay, we need to call every single coach. And that, that's where it started, right? Like, and whether we touched base with every single coach or not, we made the effort, okay? Um, and then from hiring somebody like Coach Ryan, who has been just unbelievable. Like, he didn't really know what his role would be. We didn't really know what the role would be. But as we, as we got through this year, like, he has been stayed in contact with just, you know, he texts every single coach that won, every single, you know, guys that just – that he's close to and, and people that he's never met in this state. And so that's where it started. It started with the high school coaches. And then we uh, we obviously identified players that we felt were good fits for our program. Um, and Coach B talked about it. We knew that they were our type of guys, right? And that was the biggest thing is it didn't matter where they ranked or you know high, how highly recruited they were. Um, did they love football? Did they love to practice? Did they love compete? Um, that's really where we started kind of with this state, knowing that they're going to bring the best out of this state and want to represent for this state. How important is it to have that kind of immediate connection and, and to build those relationships, Pat? It seems like mostly successfully um, moving forward and, and to have in-state kids in the program for for like next year's recruiting efforts. It, I mean, it's huge, right? Like it's um, you you build these relationships with with these players. They see. 10 guys, you know, the next classes, they see 10 guys go to the state of Illinois. They'll see success with those guys, whether they play immediately over the course of a few years, um, and they'll want to start following in those footsteps, right? It also helps us with these high school coaches as well because these coaches know that they can rely on true, honest evaluations from us too um, because there are some times where they've given us players that the feedback hasn't been always what they want to hear, but they respect what we have to say. And so being honest and upfront with high school coaches um, has has been tremendous for us, and then on top of that, you know I think it's just going to continue to build. And, and who knows? We, we may not sign 10, year, 10 kids a year. We may sign twenty. You know we don't know what that number is going to be, but we are going to look at our state first. So first year of a coach, I, I asked Brett this too. Like, how what is the significance of the first class of a coaching staff? And this is a big class, right? Twenty two. So this is like. You know, 2017 class, you guys did really well uh, under Lovey signing that class, and it was really a foundation. What's the key to that first class and setting kind of the tone? I, I think that's exactly kind of the answer. Like, it is the tone of what we want to be for Illinois football. Okay, and so um, this first class is, is big for us. Um, did we get everybody we wanted? You know, we, you know, you never get everybody you want. You always miss out on some people. Um, but it, it, on our side of it, we know that, that – we went balls to the walls, and we tried to get everybody we wanted, right? Um, but this this first class is, is going to be the foundation of of kind of what Coach B's tough, smart, dependable team is going to be a part, right? And so um, I think that's what you'll see with all these guys on, on this uh, that signed today. They're all tough, smart, and dependable people. And so you saw when the screen dropped down, like that is what, what he wants to put the foundation of this program on. Yeah. Um. What is what is the early signing period like since you've kind of been in this? You had it before the early signing period, and now uh, it feels like for Illinois, this is this isn't a bad thing, Pat. Um, like, what, what do you think of the early signing period of five years into this? It's kind of twofold. I mean, like, there's I like the early signing period. Um, a because you know these guys sign in December, they can relax for Christmas, they can relax through January and everything, and, and they can kind of just get some monkey off their back. Um, it helps us as well just because, you know, for instance, you look at a kid like Gabe Ackes who, who was committed to Tulane um, and then started getting some interest over the course of his senior season, um, and we were one of the first to, to, to know about him um, and got him on a visit. You know, if his recruitment is stretched to February, there have been multiple SEC schools going after him. Um, so that did help us in that sense. Um, you know, on the negative side of it, like with this transfer world, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't provide enough time, I think, for for guys who transfer and want to be mid-year, um, just in terms of when the last week of the season is to their final schedule to dead period. I mean, you look at some guys; you only get a week to ten days to really get out there to to go visit schools, and um, it doesn't help them. But there may be some changes, or may not. We'll adapt and adjust just like we always do. I was going to ask you about this because, like. Usually you can take a sigh on this day, but the transfer portal, right? And you guys want to add so much to you. What is that like to navigate? Um, what, what this is happening right now? I think uh, I looked at my phone for that reason. Like, 
the first day that the season, the regular season ended for most schools, I mean, you felt bad for not just recruiting departments but coaches in general because there was just notification because everyone signs up for the the Twitter you know, stuff and just hundreds of messages of kids going to the portal, right? Um, I think it is it's uh, it's something that you have to always carry a few extra scholarships just to be ready for, um, you know, to, to sign immediate needs and depth in certain depth areas. And so um, we'll be active in the portal. We won't build our classes off the portal, um, but we will try to go get some best, some good players and, and players of uh, positions of need within the portal. How is portal recruiting different than high school. I mean, it seems like, I mean, the last couple of years you guys uh, built through a portal with some good players, obviously. Like, it seems more business-like, professional-like. Yeah. Like, what, what is it like for you guys? It's definitely more, more business-like. Like, when you, when you get a transfer kid on, on your campus, there is uh, less of the glitz and the glam that you're trying to show, and it's more of a X's and O's to, are you really serious about football? Why did you leave? What are you looking for in a school? Um, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and so you're really trying to dive more into who that person is because that person only has a limited time left to play college football. Um, and so you really want to know, like, is this person, is this athlete going to be the right fit for your program, um, and will he contribute? If he's not going to play, is he going to contribute positively on the practice field, in the classroom, all that stuff? So it, you have to take a more sped-up approach, but it's definitely more business-like. So... Do you guys get a day off here, or is this, is this just continued every day? Uh, I think we're coming in a little bit later tomorrow. Uh, no, but we'll uh, we'll get some time off around Christmas, which is great. But you know, recruiting is twenty four seven, so you got to continue to to do stuff and continue to look at transfer portal. And you know, I feel bad for Jake Kaiser who's looking at portal probably now. But uh, yeah, everything will be fun. A year in with the staff, Pat, um, you guys now are gelled together and there's continuity here as you said there's this consistency stability uh what do you think you guys are capable of doing in the next recruiting cycle not to not to put that all on you right now day after you sign no it's good um you know that's you you can never settle right like that's one thing that you've learned from from coach b and, and our time with them is that um you constantly have to look at ways to be better and to get better and so there's not a day that goes by that we're um taking a back seat or relaxing or doing something along those lines. So um, I think we we have internal expectations that we want to hit. Um, nothing that we're going to say, hey, we got to be at this number ranking at that next year, but we're going to continue to look for tough, smart, dependable football players, right? Um, I think we have a really good coaching staff that knows what we want, um, being a year into it and have, have been with our current players and know what they need to be successful going forward. And so that is something that – uh, we talk about, um, and then our recruiting staff knows how to how to play off of that. Uh, I know you guys don't recruit off the rankings. How often do you look at them? Be honest. So recruit what? The recruiting rankings. How often do you look at them? <laughs> uh, this might be the one day of the year that we'll look at them, but <laughs> see where you check in. Well, Pat Hamilton, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Thank you to Pat for sitting down, giving us some of his time uh, on a busy, busy, but fun day for them on signing day. So it was great to sit down with him inside the Smith Football Center and chat about this class. And and it's got to be such a great moment uh, for all those guys to see this all come together. It's really a year of effort for this staff, but sometimes, you know, it's multiple years once you really get into the swing of things. So be interesting to see how this staff builds on this class. Joey Wagner and I gave our thoughts on this class. We want to go back a podcast and, and listen to all of that, but I think it's a solid foundation class. It's in the middle uh, of the Big Ten West. It's like right next to all these programs, and we could dive into average star rating, all of that. There's some good football players, and, and they addressed a lot of needs, and, and we'll see how they develop. The Big Ten West is a developmental division, right? You're not in the Big Ten East, where you're Rutgers and Maryland and you have a top 30 class, and yet you aren't keeping pace with the rest, right? Because the Big Ten East uh, is a lot like the SEC and how they recruit. You're in a division that I think you can compete with classes like this, and you develop, and and you see where it goes from there. But I appreciate Pat Embleton's time. Hope that gave you a little bit more insight and inside knowledge of what's going on in that recruiting department. All right, coming up next, let's talk some Illini hoops with our guy, Michael Tulip. His thoughts on Arizona and what he wants to see out of this team in the three remaining non-conference games. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's talk some Illini hoops with our guy, Michael Tupel. I want to inquire basketball analyst. And, Mike, it's been a while since Illinois basketball played a game, but what an entertaining game it was. Disappointing in the end that Illinois is not able to beat Arizona, uh, now a top-10 team. On their own court, had a chance to do it, had a double-digit lead in the first half. Uh, but uh, a very entertaining game. I think it showed that Illinois can compete with really good programs like that. But ultimately, uh, a big one slips away from you. So uh, I guess overall, big take, big picture on on that game. What would you think? Uh, Arizona's a really good team. Um, you know, I think that's the first thing you look at. Uh, I think Benedict Matherin's going to be a – I think I was texting at one point, I'm like, I hope he has his green room suit already because he's going to he's going to be in the green room this year at the at the nba draft and um you know but, but i thought yeah it's an arizona team that's going to they're going to be a favorite in, in my opinion to win the pac-12 right up there with ucla and it's a down year for the pac-12 so that and i think that helps illinois um you know so they're going to continue to, to kind of pile up wins but you know i thought throughout the game it was a very it was a very evenly matched game um and what I mean by that is, you know, each team was able to do what they do well. Um, and, and I thought when you look at Illinois' ability to shoot the ball, you know, they're 37% from three this season, but that's not really the full snapshot given how poorly they started the year shooting three. So they shoot 44% in the game, Illinois does. Um, you know, Arizona is one of the best teams scoring in the paint, you know, inside the three-point arc. They shoot over 50% inside, inside the three-point arc. Um, they're one of the best teams in the country at um, defending you inside the three-point arc. Illinois shoots 34% inside the three-point arc. And, and then, you know, the offensive rebounding. I think both teams excel in that area, and both teams, you know, Illinois had 17, they had 16. So when you even all of that out, what's it come down to? And it always comes down to execution. It comes down to focus. And, like, are you going to stick to the game plan? Are you going to, you know, are, are you not going to have these defensive – Miscues, and, and there were some elements of that throughout the game where when you're playing against really good players, I mean, Kirk Reese is a great player. Uh, Benedict Matherin is a great player. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of those. Tubella, same thing. How are you preventing them from getting going? Um, some players are just good enough to do that. They'll just, they just get going on their own. Sometimes we talk about offense being better than defense sometimes. But I thought with Matherin and with Kirk Reese specifically, it was on – some of the Illinois players, why they got going. And we'll, we'll break it down in the film breakdown. But, you know, you get some guys feeling good about themselves, especially really good players, and it becomes hard to, to stop that and stem the tide. And, um, and then obviously in the end, you know, the, the five-second call, you know, Kofi's 16-footer. I mean, it was just yeah. – there was some execution stuff at the end that you probably wish you had back. But, um, but I think the one thing you can take from it is, hey, well, we can hang. I mean, all the questions Corbello's out, and we can certainly hang with the team that – right now looks like you know Arizona looks like a top five team in the country given the way they've started the year um and I think those are the good things you take from the game but you know you listen to some of the comments after the game from Brad Underwood and I think he's he for sure doesn't want this to be a moral uh, a moral victory and I think that's that's the the mentality you need to have going into three games where three very winnable games here coming up yeah, it's clear Brad's doing the coach thing, right? It's like, hey, we can't be happy with this. Like, this is not where we're at as a program. I think it's okay for me, though, or you, Mike, to sit there and go, okay, they're cl- like they're a really good team. Like, Illinois basketball is, is back to being a really good team. They're not the team we saw against Cincinnati. Uh, they can take one of the best teams in the country to the limit. Now, they're not one of the best teams in the country right now, right? Like, they're not ranked. They're not a great team right now. But – 
they're a really good team and, and maybe they can be a great team by cleaning up some of these I think self kind of inflicted wounds um, defensively turnovers uh, decision making you said Kofi I thought that was a big shot that he took and uh, ill-advised shot and and the same thing with Alfonso Plummer not knowing the rule at that point like he's got to know that so just self-inflicted things there but also you hope that your team grows, right? Brad Underwood teams generally have gotten a lot better as the season goes along, and if you can add Andre Curbelo to the mix. Um, you, you mentioned defensively, turnovers continue to be a problem, right, for, for this team. What is it about this team with turnovers? Is it focus? Is, is it the lack of – is it weird to say, like, the lack of Curbelo out there is actually ma- making the turnovers go up? What, what do you see? I think you're right. The last part, for sure, I think there's – for anyone that was a Curbelo detractor at any point, I'm sure during that five-second call, you'd want the ball in his hands because I'll make this point to start, and it's the reason why having Curbelo out, this ball handling becomes so difficult because anytime you run a play at the end of the game, shot, end of the shot clock, end of the half, whatever it is, depending on the type of play you're running, you're either starting the play at 14 seconds left in the shot clock or eight seconds left in the shot clock, depending on if it's a quick hitter or if it's something that you want to materialize a little bit. And for a guy that has to manage, like, you know, Alfonso Plummer gets the ball up top, okay? I don't think he's very comfortable dribbling the ball. And a lot of times when you need to wait for that 14-second, you know, the 14-second mark on the shot clock to initiate the play, there's typically 10 to 12 seconds where you're having to just kind of fend off your own guy just to keep keep it up top, to keep, you know, to keep yourself in the position to where you can receive the ball screen. And he wasn't comfortable doing that, so he didn't dribble. And when you don't dribble for five seconds and the, and the ref's counting, you, you kind of know what happens. But we talked about these guys trying to fit into their role, right? Finding themselves, you know, hey, what is my identity? And, and a lot of those turnovers can tend to shave down once you figure that out. Um, and once you realize, like, okay, I tried that last game and it didn't work. And then I tried it again the next game and it didn't work. I'm not going to do that the next game. And, like, sometimes you need to see those turnovers happen to believe that, like, that's not the right play for me right now given my role on this team. So the turnovers, you mentioned the defense, like it's the, it's the turnovers end up putting your, your, your defense in a really tough spot. I thought second half and really kind of most of the game, I, I thought they they were, Illinois was relatively poor in transition defense. Um, but the point that you make defensively and, and will, I have plenty of clips to show in the film breakdown, but you cannot get screened. Seriously, I mean, we talk about Trent Frazier at nauseum and how he just, it's like, you know, his family's kidnapped and mm-hmm. if something's going to happen to him if he gets screened. So he's just, he plays with that type of, you know, sense of urgency. And there's, uh, there were a couple instances and it really culminated with getting Kirk Reese going. I mean, Alfonso Plummer was a screening magnet um, and it really hurt this team in the second half, um, but it happened in the first half too. And, that's where it all starts. You know, you go back and you try to trace back, okay, two years ago when Nico Mannion, Cassius Winston, all these, you know, Marcus Carr, all these really good scoring lead guards, why were they punishing Illinois all the time? And it's because when you get screened and you're in drop coverage with Kofi, these guys can just (laughs) get into these floaters, get into these pull-ups with just no, uh, under zero duress. And that ended up, I think, kind of being the story for this team. And the, the more that you can sure that up, make no mistake about it. This Illinois team can be one of the best offensive teams in the country. And they've showed that. When, when Jacob Grandison, Alfonso Plummer, Kofi Coburn, and Trent Frazier on at the same time, they're something crazy like 1.4 points per possession. It, it's, it's like number one in the country in efficiency type levels. So yeah. f- shoring that up on the defensive end, the offense is, fi- is fine. Um, but this, the defense is going to determine how far they go. Yeah, I was going to ask you like one little quibble about the offense, Mike, um, but they have 73s in the last six games. Right? Like this team is an elite shooting team with those three guys especially. Um, Grandison, Frazier, and Plummer are just shooting lights out right now. The one thing that went awry is we knew Kofi Coburn probably had, an a, had to have an A game uh, to win, and kudos to Coloco who shut down Hunter Dickinson. He did the same thing to Kofi Coburn. 
I'm not too concerned about it because I don't see another big man like that in the Big Ten. Like this, Gloco looks like he's one of the best defenders uh, in the Big Ten. He's got size, athleticism, length. Um, what what bothered Kofi? Was it just Coloco being really good, or did you see something different that could carry over? It's the length, um, and that's kind of always been the story with Kofi at times. I mean, he really punishes guys that are not as long, undersized, you know, weaker. Um, and I'm not saying Coloco's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, you know, but, but the length covers up a lot of different things. And I think, you know, him continuing to find ways to combat that length. Um, I did like that he continued to try to go at him because he did break through at one point there and kind of the, you know, the nine to five minute mark in the second half. And he even had a, a big bucket with two and a half minutes left. But um, when you, when you know that you're in a game like that, where you have a Coloco where it's like, okay, head up and like shoulder back down, shoulder back down, go up where they can time it. That's not going to be where his strength is, where Kofi's strength is. So what are the other ways, right? So maybe it's rim running. Maybe it's like, I'm going to make it a point to beat him down the floor. If you can beat him down the floor, that's early post position. If it's early post position. Now it doesn't matter how long he is. If you, if you can put him to a spot where you're one pivot away from being at the front of the rim, like those are, you know, those types of things are really difficult to stop. But also just, you know, when you realize that's the type of matchup, it's, hey, I got to be a madman on the offensive glass. That's where I'm going to get a lot of, you know, those, those easy rebounds, easy putbacks. And, and he had four offensive rebounds. And, you know, but, but I thought he could have done an even better job of, you know, once they secure the ball, just rim running. And, it's, and it stinks for big men sometimes because they'll sprint and they'll sprint and they'll sprint and they may not get it. Um, they may sprint and then post up for an entire possession and then the ball gets swung around and a three gets shot. And now you're sprinting back down. So finding other ways to combat that. And it's just, you know, he's going to need to have games like this for him to learn how to combat that. Because um, it's not always going to be 38 and 10 or, or, you know, 28 and 14 every single night. And I think the more he figures that out, the better. But I'll, I'll make this last point about Kofi. I've mentioned how impressed I've been with his balance. And when I say balance, I mean, Everybody's talking about the hockey assist thrown out of the post, but he hasn't gotten carried away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same way that I thought this was the one time that, you know, I thought he's had a really good balance with the stepping out, knocking down a 15-footer, and he did it earlier in the game. Um, so in that moment, it's just like a jab step pull. I, you know, that was the one time where I was like, ah, maybe getting carried away with it a little yep. bit. And that was just the second one of the game. So um, he's going to continue to find that balance, continue to find ways to, to be the dominant player that he is. And um, like we talked about before, it's like he's the least of your worries. But the five turnovers, like that just yeah. – that can't happen. It was kind of a little bit reminiscent of his freshman year where there was so much length crowding him where he couldn't even get the ball up over his shoulders. He was getting stripped. And um, he'll sure that up. And, and I think these next couple games for sure will be, you know – kind of the the get right games for for Kofi speaking of get right I think Illinois like one of the guys I'll really be watching the next couple games Mike is is Coleman Hawkins um after those first three games where he's averaging about what 15 and 10 uh during those three games against lower level competition had a a solid second half against Marquette uh last seven games six points four rebounds two and a half assists three fouls two and a half turnovers uh, and clearly against Arizona uh, has really struggled. Uh, zero points, three assists, a uh, couple early fouls, a couple turnovers. Um, just really, you know, Tubelis was a really difficult matchup for him. And he's going through growing pains. I think you and I expected, but he's just so important because Illinois doesn't have another player like him at that position. And you look at the Big Ten and all the fours uh, that, that are really good in this league, uh, they're going to need Coleman Hawkins to get better. So, what do you think is the approach with him the, the next three weeks? Like, what do, you, what do you need to see with him before Big Ten play? Well, there's a different type of mentality in psychology for, you know, go back to last year when Georgie was playing against Baylor and had 21 points and Kofi picked up two fouls in the first half. You just know you're not coming out. Uh, and now with the way that these lineups have shifted around with Kofi being inserted and now you go a lot of Williams, Grandison, Frazier Plummer, you know, there is that chance that you could be sitting on the bench longer than you, you want to. So not letting that creep in, but I'll also say this, you know, those seven games, those last seven games you mentioned, four of them, he had to have two fouls in the first half and sit on the bench, right? That's what it's felt like for him. And then do you bring him off the bench? 
Like, cause I, I, I don't know if I want to do that with the kid's psyche, but he's just been awful at the beginning of games. And you wonder if just like letting DeMonte get into a rhythm of the game and that lineup, as you said, has been awesome. I don't know if I want to mess with too much or mess with him, uh, which is why I ask you this, but he just, the beginning of games, he's taking himself out of games cause he's following so much. Well, I think the bigger question is the rhythm that Jacob Grandison is in coming off the bench. Like, do you want to, do you want to change that? Yeah. And I think that may be the one that Trump's, Coleman Hawkins, but I think the easier solution is just, hey, you know, when Tabellus does a spin move on Granison and Granison has a cut off, don't swipe in with one hand and hit him on his arm. Like that's a much easier solution than like, do we have to shift our entire our entire rotation to try to accommodate it? And and it's just been some it's a like very lack of focus type fouls and um and it's really hard. Like as a player when you make that second foul with 13.33 left in the first half, and it's just like, I know I'm done. And then in the second half, it's very hard not to try to like overcompensate for the time that you miss in the first half and the clock keeps winding down and you want to have like, you want to kind of break out of the slump and have a good game and you start to press a little bit. And that's when turnovers come in. That's when, you know, some more missed shots and you put more pressure on every shot. So, you know, luckily this is what I'll say about Coleman Hawkins is, this is just how these types of teams work when you have really good teams like this. You know, him not performing probably up to the standards that he would like currently, um, really good teams are able to still win games because you have enough good players yep. to, to combat that. But when Jacob Grandison, when Alfonso Plummer, when Trent Frazier are not hitting shots like, like they are right now, when they have their off games, the same way that they've picked up the slack for Coleman Hawkins – Coleman Hawkins is more than capable of doing that for them. And I guarantee you that's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Like the game where you're like, oh my God, Plummer went one for nine from three. You're going to look at the box score and be like, ah, Coleman Hawkins was five for eight with 11 points and seven rebounds. It's like, that's just how good teams end up winning games. It's never just these guys. Every single night they bring it. It's those kind of, you know, that next wave of cast that, that helps pick up the slack in those moments where you need it. So, and part of it's a rhythm thing where this, you know, Plummer getting going and, Grandison getting going has kind of, you know, lowered his output in terms of volume shooting the ball. And sometimes you need to see the ball go in to kind of gain some confidence to, with, with younger guys. So um, I'm not worried about Coleman Hawkins because no matter what, when he steps out on the floor, his length, his height, like he's going to have an automatic advantage. It's just playing smart within that. And, and I think he'll continue to do that. And, and, and like we said, these next couple of games will be a chance for him to feel that rhythm again. This year feels like it could be like, hey, this, remember how good Trent Frazier's been for this program. I mean, what a performance, Mike. 11-0 run by himself on that 19-0 run. Ends up with 27 points, 6 of 11 from 3. Thought he played good defense on whoever he was on. Um, the, the problem was all the other guys. But two great back-to-back -back performances by uh, Frazier and and uh, against Arizona and Iowa. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out. I, I know we're not mentioning him a lot here, but he's he's just been fantastic in these last two games. Yeah, I'll, I'll make the point because I think at halftime it dawned on me, and it's one of the better halves of basketball that I've seen from a player in orange and blue in probably the last decade. And that's crazy to say because we've, you know, there's been a lot of good players, there's been a lot of good performances, but there's something about the way he does it on both ends and how the 11-0 run that he had by himself and the amount of buckets he threw in in the first half, like a lot of that was started from his own defense on the other end and, and forcing turnovers and being that, that you know, free safety like he is sometimes picking off passes in the open court. And um, you just – you can't say enough about him. And I think, you know, watching this film breakdown, you'll see the amount of guys that get screened and how you're like, man, it must be very difficult to get through screens. And then you look at Trent you're like, oh, never mind. It's not that – he makes it look not difficult. So uh, it's such a skill and he has – he has this ability, like his, his body language, his attitudes, you know, it's very similar to Kofi where you're just, you know, and there was a little bit of that in Kansas city, which is, which is the reason why you can say it's uncharacteristic for Trent. Um, like if that's just always who Trent's been, you're like, oh, yeah, well, Trent's just being Trent again, but it's not. And that's why the Kansas city stuff was just such a blip on the radar. Um, he really is back to being who he was, how big he was in that Marquette game. Like if they won that Marquette game, the game ball, there's no question who that was going to. He is, he really is cementing 
his legacy. And I'm sure Kofi's jersey is going to hang up in the rafters at some point. But man, like, wouldn't you want to see his his yeah. jersey up there? I mean, it's it's the impact that he's had when he came into this program and where they're at now. I mean, it's really hard not to point to like, hey, this guy had a huge hand in it. Yeah. He feels like the guy you want to make the exception for all the criteria to because like Kawan Garris, I know for a generation of Illini fans, is kind of that too. Like didn't have the all big 10, didn't have this, but he just was so important and kind of epitomizes what, what you want in a Illini player. So uh, just kudos to Trent Frazier for that game. I do think Mike, you know, we go into the off season. I think you made a mention of this too. You go into the off season thinking, man, this is a really deep Illinois team. Like who, who's going to actually have to play. And then you get into a season and basically seven players play against Arizona right like that's not a shock like who does Brad Underwood trust against these guys does he have to build more depth does he have to let Goody go more often I don't know if he can let Payne go more you know what I mean like do they have to figure out a way to to create more depth on this team going into Big Ten play I don't think you have to um go back and look at any team that has won anything in the NCAA it's so funny like go back to that like 20 the 2015 Duke National Championship team that beat Wisconsin, they played like six guys. And their sixth man was Grayson Allen, who came off the bench and had like 15 points in the National Championship in the second half. Like, there's something to be said about keeping a small rotation. There's more continuity. Um, Guys know what to expect. Uh, You know, and and then also what you don't want to do, it's Eric Musselman is notorious for – constructing rosters in a way where he only has to play seven or eight guys. You know, he's of the mindset where, you know, if you have a 14 man roster, you have, you know, three walk-ons, right. That takes you down to 11. And then you have like maybe two guys you want to red shirt uh, that takes you down to, to nine. Uh, and then like you play with that seven, eight. Uh, Cause I, I think what ends up happening is if you like the eight, nine, 10 guy, if it's not a high character locker room, if they aren't high character guys, those are the guys that end up typically bringing down a team. Um, You know, they start pulling guys with them. Misery loves company. Um, But luckily you don't have to worry about that with this Illinois team. And I think these guys, Luke Goody, RJ Melendez even had some bright spots in that Arizona game in the couple minutes that he played. Like these guys are good in those roles right now. And I I really don't think like you're going to bring Curbelo back. Um, You know, you're playing seven guys right now, but like I said before the season, you can talk to me all you want about depth and 11 guys, 10, 11 guys, and it's going to be seven or eight. It always is. Um, and you can see that the seven or eight guys that they have, it is that good blend of youth and experience. But at the same time, you know, Trent Frazier, Demonte Williams, like those are the guys that end up being out there at the end of the game because they've, they've been through it. So, you know, I, no, I don't think it's a necessity, uh, but you're going to want that in certain moments if you have guys go down and Luckily, that's it. Always ties back to culture and this, you know, the next man up. I know people, you know, beat that like a dead horse or beat the dead horse with that. But um, yeah, I, I just think you you roll with what you got going right now. It's been working. Uh, you you insert Corbello back into it, and then you just the Luke Goodies of the world, R.J. Melendez. It's hey, be ready and go in there and don't feel like you have to earn 20 minutes based off of the two minutes that you get. Mike, this has been a real um, whirlwind for, for Illinois basketball. I mean, since, you know, Kansas City, that they've had game after game after game. And it's been a team, obviously, that's been dealing with injury, dealing with illness here. But now you've had a week off. You have four days before Missouri. Then you have another five days before – or seven days before Florida A&M. And, and Brad Underwood has talked about, I really want to push these guys during practice. I haven't been able to do it. I know he talks about toughness a lot, but – how important is that, do you think, that it feels like the team outside of Curbelo and, and outside of Hutcherson, who's out for the year now, like this team is the team and you get to practice and maybe practice hard. Like what kind of impact can that have? Yeah, I mean, I, I always like to say January tends to define teams. Um, and forget the games. It's January practices. Uh, it's the dog days. Like, you know, it's, it's like waning off of winter break. You're kind of in a rhythm now with with games and guys have kind of fallen into their roles and it's it's easy to kind of get on cruise control a little bit or feel like you're on autopilot showing up to practice again and but the january is really where you separate yourself um when you start off conference play are we digging ourselves a hole are we putting ourselves ahead and 
Um, I think the more this team gets healthy, the more you can really be like, okay, let's compete. Like, let's get back to really competing in practice. And I'm not there in practice, but trying to just kind of read between the lines, it feels like, you know, Coach Underwood's in the staff's doing all they can just to have a team ready to go for the next game. Um, and like the best ability is availability, like they, like they say. So, you know, I, I think you find ways to be smart about it. And as the, seasons, as the season goes on, sometimes it becomes much less of like, hey, we're going to have this long, drawn-out, three-hour practice. Um, you know, it's just like, hey, we're going an hour and 25 today, and we're going hard. Um, it's the best way to, to, to continue to mimic that, that game, those game-like scenarios um, and game speed and game reps and making sure guys keep their win throughout the season. So, because um, it's a different type of weightlifting regimen in season to preseason. Like, there's all these factors that go into it. So being able to stay diligent with all those little things, uh, that's why competing in practice is so important. But, you know, sticking to the game plan and not just thinking, hey, it's just another scouting report. It's just another personnel. It's just another film breakdown. You know, all that stuff. And, and you know, because it's going to – it ends quickly. Yeah. You know, I mean, we see last year. It, it just – it ends in the blink of an eye. So you don't want to catch yourself on autopilot and then wake up and be like, oh, shoot, it's March. I hope we've done everything we can to hit our stride here. So – I think he's going to formulate this in a way where once these guys get healthy, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to go back to, to really, really getting after it in practice. And I think that's going to help them hit their ceiling here. All right. St. Francis PA uh, comes to state farm center on Saturday, ranked 224 in the Ken Palm. Uh, their defense gives up a very high percentage from three, which seems pretty good for Illinois and uh, Kofi Coburn should have a field day against this. Right. But what are you looking for uh, on Saturday uh, noon, early tip off? What are you looking for out of this team? Well, I think anytime you're playing a, an opponent like this, and I'll, I'll say this till the cows come home. It's, what low percentage shots are you forcing defensively and what high percentage shots are you getting offensively? And then you can look up at the score and be like, yeah, we're up 77 to 51. Um, it's never, Hey, let's come out. And if we're not up by 20 after the under 12 media, like, what are we doing? We should start freaking out and panicking. It's just taking it one possession at a time. Um, really. I, I want to see this team come out like, like they did, um, you know, a, a few different times against inferior opponents. Some they came out and was like, eh, like, let's get a little more fight to us in these first five minutes. Cause that's it. I mean, I, I want to see this team in the first five minutes against a team like this, make the other team feel like eh, maybe we can't, we, I don't think we can play with these guys. Yeah. Uh, Cause when you get a few threes going in early for the opposing team and, you know, they start believing, okay, we can hang around and, and then all bets are off. Like then you got to really try to find ways to, to reassert your your dominance so um you look at the three-point percentage that that st francis pa has given up i mean they're giving up like 38 percent from three which is insanity um but they it's it's not just because they can't close out on three point they can't guard the ball that's that's where it all starts um that's why when we talk about andre curbello and how good he is because he can go by guys get a second guy to commit and then it's easier three-point attempts to, to that the that you're shooting so you're going to be able to get by guys. So when you get by guys, it's, it's the decision-making it's being okay with throwing it into Kofi 80% of the time on your offensive possessions, because you now know what that can bring around the perimeter. Uh, and I think guys are more willing to do that, but to truly taking it one possession at a time and, and really setting the rules as, as some coaches would say in these first five minutes. And then just, you know, you look up the scoreboard in the second half and yeah. the score typically takes care of itself. So that, that's what I'm looking for here against St. Francis PA. Uh, before we, I don't know if we'll have you on next week before the game, Mike. So bragging rights, man. Uh, you, you had a pretty good record in that, right? Like John Gross really succeeded uh, in in that uh, game. So what's that game like for Illinois players? Yeah, it's it's different. I, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I, I get asked a lot about like, hey, when you were there, did you know? Did people talk like? Did you feel that Illinois Iowa rivalry back with like Dion and Bruce Pearl? And it's yeah. just like no. Not really. I mean, I, I truly believe that unless you have had a run-in with that team or something's built up, you can say all you want that it, you know, oh man, this is, we play a little extra harder against them. But until something really happens, it's like, ah, yeah. Um, but the bragging rights game is just, it's different. We always had a different type of routine. We did, we always did something pretty meaningful the night before. It was like writing on like a, 
on like a cardboard cut, like little thing of like who you're playing for, write it down, what they mean to you. And it was just a different type of um, feeling going into it. But I remember my freshman year, uh, we were undefeated uh, playing against, I want to say it was either like a 10-8 matchup or 11-7. They were really good too. I mean, they had Phil Pressey, Alex Oriaki, Lawrence Bowers. They, I mean, that team was loaded. Um, You know, Anthony Criswell. I mean, they had a ton of guys in that team that were really good. And it was funny because right before the game, uh, you know, guys are stretching at half court and you're really close to each other. And then that's when, you know, the the trash talk started. And it was almost like anyone that wasn't in that game, it was like, well, now you're in it. And, you know, Brandon Paul, DJ, all these guys had been in it before, so they knew. But Sam McLaurin, myself, like we, we had never experienced it before. But it was right in the warmups where you're like, oh, this is this really is different. So, you know, we obviously had some success against some pretty good Mizzou teams. I mean, even when my sophomore year was Jordan Clarkson, Jonathan Williams, who ended up transferring against Zag. Like, those are some really good teams. Tracy hit the free throws there at the end to seal it. But, you know, finding ways in these games to not let that rivalry and all that stuff, we've seen it. I mean, yeah. whether it was Alan Griffin, DeMonte's gotten mixed up with it, Laron. I mean, it's the, the technical fouls, you know, there's moments where you could do it, but if you're doing it and it hurts the team, then, then what are we doing? So you want to find ways to, to assert your toughness. And you can do that in a lot of different ways other than physicality, physicality, no brainer. That's, that's a given, but you, you can assert your toughness from your attention to detail game plan, you know, the type of cuts you make, all that stuff factors into it. Cause what you don't want to do is lose sight of all that because of the hoopla and the, it's split right down the middle at the Scott Trade Center, whatever it is now. Um, that's what you have to focus on. And, and you can't let all these other things build up in those games and, and not, you know, and just lose sight of the task at hand. So we were able to do that in a way. And we, I think we were three and one in, in my time there. But no matter how good a team is, no matter how good a Mizzou team is or how good an Illinois team is or how, how bad the other team is, I, I really don't think it matters in this game. Um, you know, it just doesn't. These, you know, there's a different type of energy that's played with. So, you know, you can't play the record here. You can't play, you know, the past results. You know, every game becomes its own, and, and they typically end up being relatively close. Um, you know, they're typically refereed that way too. <laughs> so, finding ways to to not let that all become a distraction and just and, and just focus on each person's job and get it done, man. Michael Toop, you're the goods man. We'll do the VIP film room on Neil and I defensive issues uh, coming up so you VIP members can check that out. But, Mike, we'll talk with you next week, man. Uh, appreciate it as always. All right, man. Take care. Great stuff as always from Michael Toop. He is the goods. We enjoy having him around. We get him each week. Uh, it's been awesome uh, to have him every week, and hopefully you guys are enjoying that as well. Man, we've been busy uh, at AlanaInquire.com. Hope you're enjoying all the content, the signing day content, and Joey Wagner and I got more. Of course, we got hoops coming up this weekend. Uh, we got hoops holiday tournaments coming up, so I know Derek and I and, and Joey will probably be on the road covering some of that as well. So uh, always there's really never a downtime. Um, I guess you get into the spring. It's parts of the summer. It gets down a little bit at certain points. But uh, this is certainly a fun time, but a very busy time. And hope you guys are enjoying all the content on Illini Athletics. If you want to sign up for VIP membership, remember it's only $1 for your first month. If you ever get that itch and, you man, I, man, I want to see all this stuff and, and, and the insight analysis, uh, it's only $1 for your first month if you want to give us a try there. As always, if you just listen to the pod, we appreciate that as well. If you're doing both, we really appreciate that support. Uh, but give us a follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, rating and review. That always helps us out. You probably hear me say that a lot, but go and do it. That that really helps us out. We appreciate just a, a couple seconds of you doing that. So until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.